Thank you, brother. Thank you, musicians. Please turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Ephesians and turn there with me to chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. It's good to see you all back in the house of the Lord today. Ephesians chapter number 4. I have been preaching on our walk with the Lord in these last days. And, and honestly, when you read the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, I don't think you'll find any book in the New Testament that speaks more about your walk with the Lord than the book of Ephesians. Now, I'll give you an example of that. But let's take our text verse to begin with. Look in verse number 1 of chapter number 4. The Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, talking about born again, children of God, that you would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray for a moment, then let's study together. Father, thank you for the good word of God. Lord, I pray and ask God that you would use me today. And Lord, may I be yielded and submissive to the Spirit of God and help me to remember what I need to say. And Lord, help me to forget what I don't need to say. But I think I need to say it. Father, I pray that you'd use me to minister to the flock. And Lord, those who came in here today needing something and a word from you, Lord, I pray that that need would be met. In Jesus' precious name, I ask it. Amen. Would you look with me in chapter number 2, please, and look in verse number 10. Here we're talking about your walk with the Lord. I used Enoch as an illustration for us, that you and I might walk by faith as Enoch did in the last days. Enoch walked in a very ungodly, God-hating, perverse society. And yet the Bible says that he walked with the Lord and he had this testimony that he pleased the Lord. I think that we have more advantages than Enoch had in his day. And you and I have the capability and the, po- and the power and availability of the things of God to be able to walk with him in these last days. When you take a walk, that's a choice. Unless somebody's chasing you, then that's really not a walk. That's usually a run. But a walk is somewhere that you have determined, you know what, I'm going in this direction. And usually if you're going to walk with somebody, the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? And so if you're going to walk with the Lord, you've got to agree with Him. If you're going to be in communion with Him, you've got to agree with Him. If you're going to be in fellowship with Him, you have to agree with the Lord. So look in chapter 2 with me, please, in verse number 10, just to show you Paul's emphasis here in this book about our walk. Look in verse... Now, this is the passage that teaches us that we're saved by grace through faith, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And after we're saved, look in verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works. I mean, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Not of works lest any man should boast. But now after you're born again, you become a new creature. He said, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. This is after you're born again, which God hath ordained before ordained that we should what? Walk in them. All right, look with me please if you would in chapter 5 and look in verse number 1. The scripture says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So obviously, if we're walking with Him, He's doing the leading. 
Verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. All right. Now look again in chapter number 5 and look there with me in verse number 8. He says, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 15. He said, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now the term walk is not used in verse 18, but it is synonymous with the word in Galatians 5, 16 that says walk in the spirit. Verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit as well. The emphasis this morning will be today in chapter 4, will be in verse number 17. Last Sunday, I preached to you about our walk inwardly. I didn't have a chance to talk to you about our walk outwardly. When I say inwardly, I'm talking about within the church parameters. God has called you Uh, to be a blessing to your church body and to other Christians that you come across. You're to look for opportunities to do good, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. So if you have a chance to be a blessing, and you know, I, I tried to emphasize to you that each of you have been gifted and blessed with something that can minister to the others. And if you're not sure what that is, it's really very simple. All of the spiritual gifts that God has distributed to His people have all been to be able to help someone in their time of need. And so if you don't really know what yours is, but yet for some reason you have the ability to help this person at this time in their life, God is using you. It doesn't matter what you label the gift. Just be a blessing and help them with whatever means that you can and watch what God does. But I want you to notice now He wants us to walk as a church to be different to minister one to another. And the reason for that is, is because, boy, when God saved you, He changed you, He put you and made you part of something special on this planet. And it's in direct contrast to what is around you, the world. Now notice what He said, and I'm not talking about the birds and the bees. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about nature. I'm talking about the spirit of this world and of mankind. Now notice what he says in verse number 17. Let's focus on this this morning. I'll do my best to break it down for you and help you to understand it to make it practical. Verse 17 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness." But you have not so learned Christ.
Now, let's study this for just a moment. If I'm to walk with God, I know that I'm to walk circumspectly. I'm to walk by faith. I'm to walk in the Spirit. I'm to walk in love. I am to uh, walk worthy of this vocation wherewith I have been called. Now, this walk with God is going to cause me to be walking in a direction that is contrary to the way that the world is going. And as a result of that, I'm going against the flow. I'm going to be in the minority. And I will be misunderstood by the world. And there will be some reproach to bear if you carry the flag of Jesus Christ in an ungodly society. And you have to be willing to understand that. Now notice what he says here. Let's talk about why he uses this phrase. He says that you would not walk as other Gentiles walk. Why would he use that term as other Gentiles? If you read through your Bible, you'll find that there's something about the Gentile world that is constant in the Bible. You'll find that that it stands out both historically and even now globally. There are certain traits of the Gentile world that stand out. Number one is that they are mentally darkened. They have dark minds. And because of that, they are morally depraved. One is connected to the other. If you have a dark mind, it is only a matter of time until it shows up in your morals. It always does. And so you see the the root of the problem is the fact that Gentiles in general began to think that they're smarter than God that they don't need God. And so they start pushing Him out. And they think that they're becoming more intelligent and more and smarter. But in reality, they are becoming darker and dumber and more depraved. That is what we see throughout history. And that's why God called Israel aside for them to be different from the world. Well, they got backslid on God and God set them aside. Now He has called out another entity called the church of the living God who is now to be the light of the world. You're to be different. And by the way, light is not something that you hear. Light is something that you see. And people are drawn to light if they're looking for something and they want some help. It is then you have the opportunity to present them with the word of truth. But you need to be different. You need to shine. Whereas in the church parameters, your goal is to serve. In the world, your goal is to shine. To be sons of light in the midst of a perverse and wicked generation. That is the will of God. And that's why if we can't get along in here, we're not going to shine very bright out there. Amen? And Paul is saying, don't bring that worldly mind in here. Do not bring their philosophies in here. Don't do that. You make sure in verse number 17 that you do not walk as other Gentiles walk. Some of you maybe don't know this, but I know the majority of you do. There are three distinct entities that God looks at and deals with in different ways on planet Earth. 
One of them is the nation of Israel, the Jew. The other one are the Gentile nations. And the really the, the, uh, the time clock, as far as eschatology is concerned, has to do with those two, the Jew and the Gentile. But there is one in the middle there that God is calling out right now, and it is called the church of the living God. And when you get born again and saved, you are placed into that body by the power of God and the Holy Spirit. You become a part of that, a new creature. And now you are to walk in a way that is totally, completely contrary to the mindset of this world. Do you understand? I hope and pray that you do. Now watch this. Now, you know, sometimes when you see that word Gentiles in the Bible, it's rarely good. You know, sometimes even Jesus referred, matter of fact, he even referred to the Gentiles one times as dogs and swine, dogs and hogs, Gentiles. When you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, the first three chapters, there is a thing that stands out to you if you're, if you're a Bible student, if you'll highlight it, you'll see it. He compares the wisdom of God with the wisdom of this world. And he said the very, if there was, and he just using this as a, as a, as language to help you to understand that the very foolishness of God, which there is no foolishness in God, but in the very foolishness of God is greater and smarter than the wisest that man ever has to offer on this planet. And so God is trying to move the Gentile Corinthians away from that mindset that they have been brought up in, in that, uh, really that Greek-Roman culture that they, that they were raised in, that's very much like the American culture, unfortunately, is becoming. But, you know, the history of the Gentiles basically is that they eventually reject God. They become idolaters. And they have then developed many gods and opinions and philosophies. And they become immoral. They become sexual predators. They become perverts. That is the history of the Gentile nations. That is why when the Lord gave the land over to the Israelites, back in Leviticus 18, He says, Hey, I'm not giving you this land because you're so great and mighty. He said, I'm giving this to you because of how evil and wicked and perverse and predatorial these people have become. And He said, I'm going to wipe them off. He said, the land's even sick of them. And He said, if you start following that track, He said, you're going to go the same direction they're going. So the scriptures tell us, you know, that God does not want you and I to be influenced and impacted by the Gentile world in the way that we think, the way that we live, the way that we act, that we might have a code of conduct that's a little bit different than the world. Do you agree with that? I hope and pray that you do. There's a whole lot more to worldliness than somebody's personal standards. It has to do with a mindset, a philosophy, an idea, the thoughts of the heart, the mind. And you can be in church and look, uh, look uh, really polished and clean and yet in your heart be as worldly as the man that's not here today. That's very possible. But I want you to, um, to think about overall what is happening in America, why you must help make a difference. The judgment of God, you've heard me say this many times and I'll say it again tonight. This evening, let's go on up a little bit to this morning. The 
judgment of God will not begin at the White House. And it will not begin at the schoolhouse. It will begin at the church house. Because we are to make a difference in this land. You know, I'm going to try to give you some illustrations that will help you to understand what is uh, happening, to kind of give you a contrast of the Gentile mindset and where it's going today in America. It hasn't always been this way. This is a dark, dark generation we're living in. And it's because their mind has become darkened, therefore their morals have become depraved. 20 years ago, there was a book that came out called The Mind Siege. It was written by Tim LaHaye and David Noble. Became a number one bestseller on the New York Times list. And what they did is they tried to, to compare what America was to where America is through the educational system and what it has done. Because the educational system has become not just a place of education, but now a place of indoctrination. And so, and we only have your children for a few hours a week and if they're involved in any kind of, of, of uh, any kind of, even if you homeschool, eventually you probably will send them uh, to a community college, and then eventually they might even go to a secular college. And there, the, the world system is everywhere, and so you have to watch for it and guard for it. But God did not call you to be isolated. God has developed you and helped you that you might be insulated. That you might be a light. What good is a bright light bulb if all you're going to do is put it in a cabinet somewhere and keep it locked up because you don't want it to be exposed to darkness? Do you understand that? Now, I know there's a place in time for it to be out. Concerning our nation, I need you to see this. Bear with me. Be patient with me. As I quote some things from this book, I don't read stuff in a book and build a sermon around what somebody else has said in a book. I build a sermon, and then I look for examples and illustrations that will help amplify what the Bible teaches. There is a difference in that order. This particular book the Lord brought to my attention, and I looked through it again and said, Lord, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And about this darkness, this mental darkness of the world and of the Gentile world, when our nation was founded, From the time of the Mayflower Compact, some of the things that they said, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, through the Plymouth Plantation for the propagation and advancement of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ, on to Virginia's first charter, propagating of the Christian religion, fundamental orders of Connecticut, the purity of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, And the New England Confederation, the advance of the cause of the gospel, America's founding years were steeped in Christ and Christianity. This country was founded on a basic consensus of Christian principles. And while we do not claim that every founding father was an evangelical Christian, even John Adams admitted that the American army was educated in the general principles of Christianity and the general principles of English and American liberty. Gary DeMar said it is much closer to the truth when he says, a study of America's past will show that a majority of Americans shared a common faith and a common ethic. 
America's earliest founders were self-professing Christians and their founding documents expressed a belief in a Christian worldview. Now, David Barton did this an extensive research and he said that in the, this area of education, this was his conclusion. Of the approximate 250 founding fathers, about 95% of them would qualify as Bible-believing Christians. 52 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence would be so classified. I say, why are you bringing this? is not God and country day. I know that. I'm trying to see the progression that's taking place and what we're up against. Concerning education, most of the founding fathers, did you know this? Most of the founding fathers were graduates of schools like Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Dartmouth and Columbia. And in those days, in the founding days of our nation, these colleges expressed Christian language and were Christian institutions of higher education. Did you know that? Harvard's rules for learning including the following. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well that the main end of his life and studies is to know God and to know Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. Well, this is the prayer in the American school today. Now I sit me down in school where praying is against the rule. For this great nation under God finds a mention of him very odd. If scripture now the class recites, it violates the Bill of Rights. And any time my head I bow becomes a federal matter now. Our hair can be purple or orange or green. That's no offense. It's the freedom scene. The law is specific. The law is precise. Prayer spoken aloud is a serious vice. For praying in a public hall might offend someone with no faith at all. In silence alone we must meditate. God's name is prohibited by the state. We're allowed to cuss and dress like freaks and pierce our noses, tongues, and cheeks. They've outlawed guns, but first the Bible... And to quote the good book makes me liable. We can elect a pregnant senior queen and the unwed daddy our senior king. It's appropriate to teach right from wrong. We're taught, excuse me, it's inappropriate to teach right from wrong. We're taught that such judgments do not belong. We can get our condoms and birth control, study witchcraft, vampires, and totem poles. But the Ten Commandments are not allowed. No word of God must reach this crowd. It's scary here, I must confess. When chaos reigns, the school's a mess. So, Lord, the silent plea I make, should I be shot, my soul, please take. Would you agree, even this week in Michigan, this played out before our very eyes of where there was another shooting The education today, this is the, again, verse 17, about they walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Romans chapter 1 says that they will not acknowledge God. He's bore witness through creation and through their conscience that they refuse to acknowledge that. 
And so in their minds and in their vanity, they become darkened, and, and God begins to turn them over, and their morality reveals the darkness of their thoughts and their minds. So these institutions of education are now centers of indoctrination, though they still teach how to read and write, but it makes it more difficult to add and subtract through some of the new math. But their goal is the humanistic manifesto. Humanism is a religion. It is a philosophy. And it is anti-God and it is anti-Christ and it sums up the mentality of the Gentile philosophy here in America. We have moved away from God. And the Bible says, I don't want you walking in that direction. They promote atheism. They promote evolution. I think you agree with that and you understand that. I think that you do. I hope and pray that you do. They uh, promote what is called amorality, not a morality. Amorality is the fact that there really is no absolute of what is right and what is wrong. And boy, I tell you, we are right there right now. They affirm that moral values derive their source from human experience and not from God. Boy, you're in a mess when you leave the absolutes. You understand that? And so here's what, here's what they say about it. In the area of sexuality, they say, we believe that intolerant attitudes, now that is the Christian they're talking about right there. They believe in tolerance as long as you tolerate what they do. In the area of sexuality, we believe that, that, that intolerant attitudes often cultivated by orthodox religions, namely Christianity, and puritanical uh, cultures, Western civilization, unduly represses sexual conduct such as homosexuality, bisexuality, transgender, transsexual, the right to birth control, abortion, and divorce. So what they're basically saying is we wish for no restraints. Humanists have called for the liberation from repressive puritanical codes, homosexuality, transgenderism, transsexual, premarital intercourse, extramarital intercourse with the consent of both partners, bisexuality, and genital association. Well, I sure am glad I grew up in a country in the 1960s. Well, back in those days then, they had the hippie generation going on, and I didn't even know it. We were just country. But thank God that there was some good foundation in our country school back in Mississippi. They also believe in what is called autonomous self-centered man. This is what Paul referred to in 1 Timothy chapter 4 about the world would become lovers of their own selves. Human life has meaning because we create and develop our own future. We strive for the good life here and now. Listen, man by nature loves himself. And without parental control, character development, and the gospel, man is a very deviant and vile creature and a violent predatorial creature. I was thinking about this illustration. I was thinking I thought about it yesterday. My five-year-old grandson, Quinn, was with us the last couple of days. 
and he loves his grandfather, and he'll come out with me sometime when I'm out there drinking coffee and reading my Bible, and we were talking about some things, and I was talking to him. I said, son, you know, a lot of people love you. We started naming off people that loved him, and, uh, and, and I missed one or two. And, and, and matter of fact, I, I think I left off Wyatt because I wasn't sure if Wyatt loved him or not. And so he said, he said, yeah, Wyatt, Wyatt loves me. And I said, yeah, yeah, he does. And then he looked at me and said, you know what, Papa? He said, I love me too. He was being honest. Out of all the people that loved him, he said, I love me too. And I said, you probably love you more than anybody else does. But that is that nature. It is the nature, and if it's not, it is that nature that is that is flamed, or should I say, it, 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 is, it is promoted by this world that you love yourself. And it's all about you. And so the world promotes that, and he's saying, do not, in verse 17, do not walk in this direction. Do not walk in this direction. And one of the last things that they teach, is very critical to us today, is they all have a goal in common, and it is a socialistic, communistic, one-world government. They believe in what they call share the wealth. But it's not their wealth that they want to share. It is the wealth of those who work and produce. And they want to take from the producers... And they want to divide it up as they see fit and give a portion of it to others while those in leadership keep the majority of it for themselves. And they are like parasites. And I I agree with Rush Limbaugh. I miss him. He, he, He had a good voice for America. And he said this, he said, Americans are growing weary of supporting a public education system which bans God, encourages licentiousness, decries Western civilization, indicts American tradition, promotes cultural disharmony, and serves as a breeding ground to indoctrinate new little liberals. Now, you can call these by different names, but you better learn like Nehemiah to recognize your enemies for what they really are. Whether they're called liberals or whether they are called Democrats, they basically have developed what the Bible refers to as a dark mind, depraved morality, and a reprobate way of thinking. And and without, without the church being salt, without the church being light, That is exactly where this nation is headed. And it is the church that has failed America more than our politicians. It is our preachers who have failed us and our parents who have failed us more than the principals and the politicians. God holds us accountable at the ground roots to be able to have a God-fearing home and a God-fearing philosophy within our church body. It is our responsibility to make a difference. Look back at Ephesians 4, and I'm, I'm about ready to close this message up, and I pray that you'll receive the Word of God, and look at what it says here. I didn't write this, and Paul was, was having to deal with it in his day. It is now amplified in America. We cannot continue on the path that we're on and continue to be what we have been. It is impossible. Ephesians chapter number 4. 
Oh my, this mental darkness, this wickedness. And verse 17, it's going to get worse. Now notice what he says. Now, and all of this now, I've illustrated, and I'll give you a couple of more to help you to see this. Then we're going to move on to the positive things. Verse 17, This I say, therefore, testify in the Lord, as you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. When you talk to your friends who are lost, when you talk to your employers and employees that are lost, they are being influenced by the news media, by music that they listen to, by the movies that they watch, by the athletes that they uh, reverence, by the actors. And really, actors are nothing but paid hypocrites. Do you understand that? I mean, they're just paid hypocrites. Why would you care what anybody from Hollywood has to say about anything? About anything. They are paid to play a role. To pretend to be someone they are not. Who cares? Who cares what a basketball player has to say? A man that can take a ball and throw it through a hoop on a wall. That's not going to impact me spiritually and, uh, and politically and financially and economically and philosophically. And God is saying, listen, listen to me. Do not be it. Do not allow them to impact you. Look at verse 18. They don't understand. Their understanding is darkened. They're alienated from the life of God. They are ignorant. Do not be intimidated by educated fools. I'm serious about that. Don't be intimidated by educated fools. When people tell you about global warming, you should not even blink an eye and worry about that. You ought to tell them, by George, you better worry about the global warming that's coming because God's going to burn this thing up and you better be ready to meet God. Now I'm not for contaminating this planet, but I know what they're doing is nothing but a lie. That's all that is. And folks listening. And the Bible says here, because of the blindness of the heart, look at verse 19, who being past feeling, past feeling, you know when you're past feeling, you don't, you're not ashamed of anything? Did you know that blushing is still a good thing? Did you know that being ashamed is still a healthy thing to have in your heart and life? Being embarrassed is still a good thing? They're past feeling. They're past feeling. That's why President Joe Biden can select someone to be the Secretary of Health and Human Resources whose name today is Rachel Levine or Levine. But a few years ago, the name was Richard Levine, but now is Rachel Levine. And there's a man up there that let his hair grow out who is a man who pretends to be a woman. And now they're not ashamed to put them in leadership in our country. You're past feeling. And then you take the Secretary of Transportation while the, the, the uh, ports are blocked up and the folks are waiting to get their material. And if you order something, you can't get it in. If you do, you have to pay twice as much for it because President Joe Biden has selected a sodomite by the name of Pete Buttigieg to look over that business. 
And when you got a transgender and a sodomite in high places, and you're the president of the United States and you selected them, there's something warped about your mind and your morals. And you're putting it in our face. And you're saying there is no shame to what you are. You say, well, I think that's just your, your uh, uh, white supremacist homophobic philosophy. And I say that according to what the Bible says, you're just ignorant. And I'm being nice not calling you stupid. You're just ignorant. You're just ignorant. God has established what is right and what is wrong. And when you ignore Him, you're turning away from light and you're beginning to walk further into darkness and you'll become something that you never dreamed that you would. You say, oh no, I'll never... I, I, you don't know that. Now listen, even, there, even one of the old schools up there in the Northeast, Old Dominion University... A professor by the name of Alan Walker, they, had, they, they put him on leave. They didn't fire him. They put him on leave because he embarrassed them. But they hired him. And what he taught was, he claims that sexual attraction to children is not always immoral. And he wants, de- he wants to destigmatize pedophiles by referring to them as minor attracted persons. Now, the Word of God would have put him in the Old Testament. He would have been put to death. And the Secretary of, uh, of Transportation would have been put to death. And the Secretary of Health and Human, Human Resources would have been put to death. You see, yeah, but we don't live under that anymore. I understand that. But do you understand that the laws of this land when it was established was based on Judeo-Christian philosophies and biblical truth. And, and they, they had to set up laws of what was right and what was wrong, and they did. And now we have developed a country that is full of lawlessness. 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 Of where that people can... You know, how about the Rittenhouse case? I think most of you know, most of you men know what I'm talking about when I say the Rittenhouse case. That meant a lot to all of us as men with the right to defend our families or our business. That if, if uh, Brother Lewis and Sister Rhonda and Brother Brent were at work and uh, there was a mob there in Kingwood that decided to hit all the stores and then they decided to, hey, we don't know what's in that chiropractor's office. They may have a a safe of cash, let's go in there, and here comes five or six or seven or eight men, and they're breaking down the windows and they're coming in the door, and Brother Lewis picks up his guns that he, that he may have there, and I'm not saying he does, but he probably does. If he doesn't, it's none of your business. <laughs> you know, you can talk yourself right into a corner sometimes. And he defends his wife and his workers, and he puts some of them down. And then what happens with the news media and their darkened minds and their depraved hearts is that they were just simply expressing social justice and that he became a predator because he took their lives over a few dollars. Brother Ed told us, if you don't want to fall down, stay away from slippery places. Do you understand? This is the mentality of what is going on in our, in our society. And they, they're warped. They're warped in their thinking. And it's getting worse and worse and they're getting power. When parents cannot go to a school meeting where the school board 
has been selected and, and they're asking and they're challenging them about some of the pornographic material that's been taught to the children and some of the perverted lifestyles that's being promoted. And the mothers, you get a mother mad about something, buddy, you, have you ever had a, you ever had a, you ever anybody make the phrase, man, I'm mad as a wet hen? You ever had a hen get after you? I can remember a, a moment that I was very traumatized as a boy. Seriously. I mean, I, I grew up on a farm, and, man, and there were some baby chicks. And I said, I'm going to play with them baby chicks. I messed with those baby chicks, and here come a, a red, mad hen. And she came after me. I mean, you know, she looked like, really, she looked sort of like, uh, uh, what's that big old dinosaur that's famous in Tokyo? Godzilla. And she looked like Godzilla. And man, I can still remember it today. I mean, man, it's a wonder I still got any eyeballs left. You tell me? It was awful. You understand? I was traumatized by that. And I'm just saying that I don't even know where I, why I brought that illustration up. I lost, I lost track. I don't even know where I was at on that. I'll have to go back and watch the tape and say, oh yeah, that's what I meant to say. Oh yeah, the mom and school board stuff. You get a, you're right. You get a mother mad. She's like that hen messing with her chicks. Thank you, brother. That's one of your gifts. Help me stay on track. <laughs> Mothers against drunk drivers. You get a mother mad that she'll organize and she'll fight for her kids. You mess with a mother's kid, man, she'll come after you. What is wrong with parents going to a school board? And holding them accountable for what you're doing to my kids. Hmm? What's wrong with that? And so then what does our more mentally darkened and morally depraved government begin to do? Is to turn the, the thing around and blame the parents and call them domestic terrorists. And then look after them and check into their private lives. Do you understand this is where we're going? You cannot be a part of that. You cannot walk in agreement with that philosophy and that, and that mentality. You can't do that. You say, well, if I, if I talk about politics or religion, we, we just can't, we can't, eat, we can't eat lunch together with some of our friends and family. Then what are you going to talk about that matters? Because one of those deals with earthly life. The other one deals with eternal life. So what are you going to talk about? You say, stay away from these things. Don't go in that direction. The lootings and burnings are called social justice. This is their mentality. Paul said, you cannot be a part of this. When he talks about being rioters, you don't want to be a part of that. That guy named Jesse Smollett, he is what they call an actor on this show called Empire. I don't know what that is, and I don't want to know what that is. I just know he's a sodomite. You say, why do you keep bringing that up? I'm not trying to bring it up. They bring it up. And they put it in my face. Did you know that God blessed the reign of Josiah because he destroyed the houses of the Sodomites and put them out of the land? Did you know that? He made it against the law. Did you know that? God blessed him for it. But this guy hired two men, supposedly, the way it looks like it's going to come out in court, Hired two men. They they said that he they, that 
He hired them to stage a homophobic, racist attack against him to make it look like Trump supporters were attacking him because he was a homosexual and because he was of dark skin. And he paid them. They went through a dry run. They have camera uh, 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 proof that they went through a dry run to do this so that when he was beaten and, and he could claim that this is what happened so that it would hurt President Trump. Hollywood is not going to throw him under the bus. He's a liar. But do you understand? It is this mentality. Look with me here, please, in verse number 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Do they need the gospel? Yes, they do. Who's going to give it to them? CNN? Who's going to give it to them? Fox News? No. Verse 19 says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, and that is the looseness of morals, to work all uncleanness with greediness. And that is what? Socialism and communism is all about. It is about the greediness of those who are passing those laws and who are increasing your taxes and taking away your liberties and your freedom. And it's all for the love of money. When we were in Bolivia getting ready to get on the airplane, hundreds of people were having to go through this little box and have their their nose jabbed and pay 125 bucks to get permission to get on the airplane. They were not concerned about my health. They weren't concerned about your health. They were concerned about this. And this is duplicated all around the world. And what is happening in societies with the missionaries and their testimonies and the shutting down of of economies, it is for the purpose of that one world socialistic government. And that is where we're headed. All right, now look. The Bible says here, in verse number 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over in the lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. He says, but you have not so learned Christ. You see, you know better. And I close with this thought right here, and, and I hope you see this. If you've been born again, God has done something for you. You know what he's done for you? You have been mentally enlightened And your life is morally escalating. The world is mentally dark and morally depraved and getting worse. You have been mentally enlightened. God has turned the light on in your mind and in your heart. You know right from wrong and the power to do right. God has not given you the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And now your life is morally escalating. You are now laying aside some things that you thought were normal, but were abnormal and wrong. And you're beginning to change the things that you watch, the things that you think, the things that you say, and the things that you wear, and the things that you drink, and the things that you do. All because God is escalating your life. 
You are, when you got saved, He turned you into a light bulb and He is increasing the voltage in you and the amps in you to make you brighter and brighter and brighter in a dark, ungodly society. You say, I don't understand that. Well, just read and we'll pray and go to the house, okay? Look at this. He says in verse 22, verse 21, If so be that you have heard Him and been taught by Him as truth is in Jesus. Truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Oh, God is helping your mind develop. You say, Brother Roger, that sounds like brainwashing to me. Well, God does wash your brain. Because he, he does. He, he washes dirty minds. He washes depraved minds. He really does. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. Oh man, look at this, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Not some religious group that's got their own standards, but God has a standard of holiness. It doesn't, doesn't matter if your head is hair is tied up in a bun on top of your head and your skirt drags the floor. That does not necessarily interpret into holiness if you can't control your tongue. Look what he says in verse 28. This is what God wants you out there in the world being a light, shining. He makes it very clear that you speak the truth. Boy, that is an odd concept today, that you tell the truth. Whether you're buying or selling, working, tell the truth. That's an odd concept today. Tell the truth. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Verse number 26. Settle your offenses and your disagreements. Humble yourself. You don't have to be at odds with somebody. You don't have to be angry all the time. You don't have to be mad about something all the time. He said, fix it. Be different than the world. Quit drawing a line in the sand. Quit being the Hatfield and McCoys. Quit fighting over stuff that don't matter eternally. He said, be you angry. In other words, care about some things, but don't let it turn into sin. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Be different from the world. Don't be like the devil. And don't give place to him. And verse number 28, steal no more. Let him that stole steal no more. Quit being lazy. Don't rob your boss. Don't, don't, don't quote something to somebody on the job and then kind of, you know, that you're going to put this kind of material there, but then them not knowing it, you put some other kind of material in there. That's cheaper. That's stealing. Let that man steal no more. But let him labor. You know, God is for work. Working with his hands more than his mouth. Working with his hands, the thing which is good. And if some of us would learn to work our hands as much as we do our mouth, we'd make some money. I'm not talking about sales jobs here, by the way. But he said, that which is good, that we may have to give to him that needeth. Now listen carefully. This is not communism here. This is not socialism. I work to make a living, to provide for my family, and then God gives me the choice of who I want to help with the rest, not the government. Amen. Giving to him that needeth. And the man that won't work doesn't need it. He wants it, but he doesn't need it. Well, 
I can see y'all are excited, so we need to hurry up. I'm, I don't want to get your blood pressure up, so we'll close out right here. But still no more. And look at verse 29. Cell phones included in this passage speak harmlessly, not harmfully, but helpfully. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I am amazed at the filth. People cannot talk anymore without using certain ungodly words. Not just men anymore, but women. But God says, use your communication to edify and to be a blessing to others. And above all things, let you and I not grieve the Holy Ghost. Let's walk with Him, not let bitterness creep into our hearts. And then we get mad about something. Then we start talking and clamoring means you start saying things you ought not say. Then you start saying evil things about somebody you ought not say. And then that word malice means you really wish them harm. He said, but instead, be different from the world. Be a kind one to another. Be tenderhearted. Forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Did you know if you just practice some of these things, your wattage would increase? The people you're around would notice that there's something different about you. You would then have an open door to tell them why there is a difference in your life. Because Christ has made the difference in your life. Let's stand together, please. Walk not as other Gentiles walk. We'll not have an invitation this morning like we normally do. Well, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Let's do it. Let's do it. Send if you would come to piano, please, dear, if you can. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you need to come and just ask God to help you to, with your walk. Maybe just to help you with your walk. Say, Lord, I want to be a brighter light for you. Please forgive me for my areas of, of, uh, of where I have slipped a little bit, God, and I'm sorry. I don't want to be like that. I want to be different. I want to walk not as other Gentiles.